Praise God. God is good. Thanks for those of you that are home. We welcome you. And uh, those that are here, we welcome you. Uh, spring is the time of, of weddings, and, and that's in the future here. And two satellite dishes decided to get married. The ceremony wasn't very good, but the reception was amazing. <laughs> is that stupid? Or is that stupid? The reception is amazing. No. No. It's out of this world. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> it's an outer space, that's for sure. Oh, my, my, my. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts. It is so good to be in church and see faces again. We've had a, a real struggle with colds, flus, and sicknesses, and, and everybody says, thank God they're behind us. Amen? Amen. And uh, for you that have not had any, you need to be thanking God for that as well. We're so grateful for God's healing power, for God's protection power, keeping us from sickness and keeping us from evil. God is an awesome God. So I pray that your bodies will recuperate and recover and be healthy. Let's pray. Father God, I ask for divine healing power to be manifested in those who hear this message today. God, that you would bring divine healing, that cancers would dry up, that hearts would be in proper rhythm. Lord, that healing would come to the physical body as well as the spiritual man deep inside. And Father God, thank you for your power for your glory, for your awesome, awesome touch of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word of God that's anointed, that guides our lives. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your blessing in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for being faithful and praying for the church and giving. We was able to have our annual business meeting last week, and uh, the report is that all the bills have been paid, and we've had a great, great year. Uh, in God's blessing of our church and attendance and fellowship and financial giving. And so thank you for your faithfulness and giving. In Acts chapter 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave mighty convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus is alive. Can you say it with me? Jesus is alive. I, I think you can do a little better than that. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Jesus is alive. When you've witnessed the death of someone like these apostles, the disciples of Jesus, his mother and other ladies standing at a distance, watching the death, but then finding the tomb empty. But more than that, Jesus comes to them individually and speaks to them, shares a meal with them, spends time with them, in proof that he is alive. Different than what was before, but he is alive. 
And he goes to the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for you and I. We are blessed to have a Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. We are blessed. He is alive. Luke writes this gospel, uh, writes uh, the Luke of Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel, and now he's writing the book of Acts. And he's told about the ministry of Jesus throughout the book of Luke. I mean, he, the birth, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and all the different miracles that Jesus performed in his life. Uh, and it's, it's an exciting book to read, and we, we, we have read the entire book. We have taken the book and went through the entire year, uh, this past year, of, of Luke. And it's natural to move right into the book of Acts and to see the power and the glory of Jesus being transferred from himself to the disciples, but not just the disciples. Jesus is alive today in your heart. Jesus is alive in heaven still, praying and interceding for us. Jesus is alive. And he said, he's sending his precious Holy Spirit to us. In the Gospels, it says that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And so it's not a, a magical thing. Jesus is the baptizer. And it's so exciting to realize that Jesus is alive. And the scriptures declare that Jesus is is alive and to me that is extremely powerful 40 days of interaction with the disciples he would show up at different times in their life letting them know that he was alive on one of those occasions while he was eating with them he gave this command do not leave Jerusalem but Wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days, there's going to be something really exciting happening. What's that scripture verse? The next slide is the scripture verse about Jesus is alive. And uh, see if we can bring that up. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, the convincing proof that he was alive. There was no doubt in what was going on. He presented himself to them, and they were totally involved with the fact that it truly happened, and it was Jesus who was there. While he was eating with them, he, he tells them about the message that uh, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Where were they to stay? Jerusalem. He said, don't, don't go anywhere. You guys go back and you stay in Jerusalem and wait. Now, doesn't that sound exciting? Just go back to Jerusalem and wait. But Jesus, we got stuff to do. No, just go back to Jerusalem to wait. You see, just because we have microwaves and, and cell phones and fancy stuff doesn't mean that we 
take the message to wait on the Lord any easier than they did because they had stuff to do then as well. Matter of fact, it was more difficult for them to cut the wood, chop the wood, find the food, put the food together, cook the meal, put it together. I mean, their life was full of just trying to exist. And Jesus tells them, don't, don't leave Jerusalem. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Waiting is probably the hardest thing in all the world. For some of you chief fans, you're sitting here saying, oh, I just can't wait till the game starts today. Some are sitting in their car, I assume, right now, in line to get in the parking lot at stadium. Some of you wishing you was there. No. <laughs> some have already got their, their meat tenderized and it's, and, it's, and it's in the process of marinating and the marinating sauce is penetrating the meat and then they're excited about that that pre-game party and then then the actual game and jesus tells his disciples hey you see i'm alive guys I, I'm, I'm convincing you i'm alive i've got proof right here i am alive see i'm alive. here have some fish i'm alive but i've got something for you and my heavenly father has something for you and it, it's, it's the promise that God has says 800 years before this has all happened, 800 years ago, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all God said it. I didn't say it. God said it. The word of God speaks very clearly that God's intent is to pour out his spirit upon his children. That's God's plan. That's not something that somebody's God dreamed up. It's God's plan for you to have the power of the Holy Spirit with the ability to pray in a prayer language that God has given you. God has given you that ability. God is waiting for you to move your mouth, move your lips, and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. God said you can have that experience. That was a great place for somebody to say, Amen. God said it. it's not my idea it's not what I think the scripture says God said it that I will pour out do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised how many of you know that when someone promises you something it's really nice when they come through with it I'm sure that you've heard promises granted to you in years past but Jesus is alive and he said my father has promised my father has promised you see Jesus' prophetic message of him being born the prophetic message of him being hung on a tree the prophetic message of him coming back to life the prophetic message that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit we are living in the pouring out of God's Spirit day of the Word. People often say, oh, I just would have loved to live back in the Old Testament days. I would have loved to live back in the New Testament days. Well, the book of Acts is still going on. You are living in God's time. God has allowed you to be where you're at today. God is on your side. God is speaking to your heart. God is putting you in the book of Acts that continues on 
today. John baptized with water, but, but you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, how human are these disciples? Just how human are they? They are stinking human. They are just like us. We just look at what's in front of us. And what we see is what we see. And so they are all about trying to get their life straightened out in the politics of their day. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to set up a political scheme here to get us back into government? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. But you will receive power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The powers that be. The disciples are still thinking about this messianic kingdom in terms of political power. Is Jesus coming back to political power? And they're thinking about the natural. What's going to happen? How's it all going to be? But there's a promise. A power to witness. There's a promise of a power to witness. Jesus, is it time? Jesus, is it time for, for a new government? Jesus, is it time for you to set it together? No, it's not. The Holy Spirit is the important concept throughout the book of Luke and throughout the book of Acts. Jesus is the primary example of the working of the Holy Spirit. Look at Jesus' life and you see the power of the Holy Spirit. How did it happen? Jesus went to John to be baptized in water as an example to us. The dove comes down and baptizes him and there's a mighty move of God's Spirit and when the Spirit descends upon him, he begins to do ministry. And the fruit in the character of Jesus is reflected by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon Jesus to bring forth the ministry of power to, to set people free, to set people free from demonic activity, set people free from, from physical ailments and healings that take place. It is God's plan to use Jesus to touch people's lives. And Jesus is saying, I have done my ministry now it's time for you to begin your ministry, disciples. And your ministry is going to be mimicked to my, my ministry because the same Holy Spirit, listen to this, the same Holy Spirit that quickened Christ from the tomb, that brought him out, brought him alive, and put him on this earth, and he walked in front of these guys for 40 days. That same Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart and my heart when we ask Jesus to come in the Holy Spirit comes in and then the Holy Spirit would love to just pray through us in a prayer language and, it, and it's God's connection to mankind is the power of the Holy Spirit power to witness I have a power for you to witness now why is that so important why is it so important that God gives us a power to witness 
I mean, you know, what, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, for the most part, people are scared to guess. They're scared to death of their own shadow. They're scared to death of, of dark. They're scared of this. They're scared of that. And, and why? Because of our carnal flesh, because of how we're made up, our personalities, but also Satan. But why do we need this power to witness? Well, if you look, look back in, in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 28, it says this, the last, last portion. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you to the very end of the age. I'm with you. The Great Commission. We have been commissioned to carry the gospel. But in our human ability, it's not enough. We cannot carry the gospel in our human ability. We are to be empowered because Jesus told the disciples, don't, don't do anything until you go to Jerusalem and, and wait until the power of God falls upon you. Power to be witnesses. We've been called, we've been directed, we've been sent. We, we're the, the great power to witness is available to us and God knows that we must have that power because he created us. God created us. And he said, I'm going to send you this power. I'm going to send you this endunimous power. I'm going to send you this power to be witnesses. And I want you to experience this power. Jesus directly charges his disciples, go and preach the gospel. He tells them in Matthew, go preach the gospel. The Great Commission has been given to us. World evangelism is not an option. World evangelism is not an option. Well, do we do we support missionaries or not? I mean, you know, do, do we need to do that? If you read this, it says you, you work with those in your neighborhood, in your backyard, you work with those in the city, and you work to those around the world. World evangelism has been commissioned to us to preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit is the element, the empowerment for world evangelism. It has to be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has come to convince us to go. The Spirit has come to convince us to go. The Spirit has come to give us the power to be effective in healing the sick, in delivering people from demonic activities. The Spirit's anointing is a powerful activity of God working in our lives. God desires to fill us with power that we might be witnesses, that we might be witnesses, not just uh, humbly walking with our Lord, but being uh, bold in our de declaration that Jesus lives, and he lives in my heart, and he is sending me the precious Holy Spirit, and he's baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. You'll say, well, Pastor, how do you receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit? How do you speak in this prayer language? Do you practice in front of the mirror? You relax and worship God. You relax and you worship God. 
and you command your carnal flesh to come under control. And you say, God, forgive me of my sins. Well, I thought to put it at salvation. Yes, if you re-continue, you rehearse that time and time again in your life of saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Not that you don't believe you've been forgiven, but because we're human and we continue to have stupidity happen in our lives and it's called sin, we've got to ask God to forgive us of it. And so we, we walk in a spirit of forgiveness. We walk in, in, that, in that power to say, God, forgive me of my sins, and then God, give me the ability to forgive those who have sinned against me. And so you, you just open your heart to God. And you relax in his presence. And you begin to give him praise. You begin to give him adoration. And say, God, I want this gift. I want this ability to pray in a prayer language that I can get closer to you. That I can understand the word of God better. Because you see, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He actually teaches us the word of God. And so we are to be involved in allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. He wants to empower us. And so you begin to praise the Lord out loud and you begin to praise him in English. And then there's times where you stop speaking English and just allow his presence to fill you to overflowing to where you begin to speak a prayer language. And it may only come in a symbol at a time, just, just, a, just a little syllable at a time, but you keep repeating that and you keep seeking his face and the infilling will come. Now, you can do that in the privacy of your home. You can do that in the altars. You can do it standing while we're singing worship courses on Sunday morning. You can raise your hand and say, God, I'm ready to be filled. And as others are singing the words and following moment in worship, you can be praying in a prayer language all of your own. And God miraculously is empowering you to be a witness. The power of the Holy Spirit is phenomenal. The power of the Holy Spirit is phenomenal. It wants to work in our lives. He wants to work in our lives. We must allow this Holy Spirit. The exciting thing is, is that Jesus desires to fill you to overflow. Jesus desires that. Verse 9, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. He was lifted up, lifted up into the clouds and a, a huge glory cloud. I call it a glory cloud. I, I grew up in a very thrifty home and I can remember laying in the front yard in the front yard there was this little indentation and a small little rise it was perfect pillow. I could lay, I can remember laying in the front of the yard, watching the clouds go over and doing formations and seeing what was there that you could make a picture out of those clouds. Nowadays, we just pick up an iPad and make it happen, right? This past week, I was driving down the interstate. Someone was with me. I said, look at that cloud. I said, Derek, that is a dog running 60 mile an hour with no legs. <laughs> it, was, it was strung out, and they said, yeah, I think it's one of those dash hounds. <laughs> the head was there, and the ears were flopping. But, I mean, it was just, the, the ears was back here. I mean, it was running fast. And it, it, was, it was so much fun. 
Jesus went up in the clouds. And I believe a glory cloud covered him up to where they couldn't see. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heavens. Hallelujah. Jesus has gone up. And they're so enthralled. They, they can't get their eyes off of the clouds. And God's angels come with declaration. You've seen him go. He'll be coming back the same way. The power and the witness. The promise of his return. The promise of his return. Don't give up. Keep serving the Lord. Keep worshiping the Lord. Keep seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Keep sharing your faith. Keep allowing the presence and the power of God Almighty to move in your life and to know that God cares for you and loves you with a tremendous love. And he's coming back. Do not look at the things of this world and be discouraged. Look to Jesus and know that he's the author and finisher of your faith. Do not be overcome by the sickness that's going on. Don't be overcome by, by the, the, the whole thing that's going on in our world today. Don't be overcome by the rumors of wars and activities over in Russia in that area. Just know that Jesus is coming back. And don't be overcome by the things of this world. But allow the presence and the power of God Almighty to come alongside of you and lift you and encourage you and bring you into the presence of God Almighty. Yes, Jesus is coming back. And how is he coming back? In the clouds. It's important that you look to the sky on a daily basis and say, God, is today the day? You'll say, Pastor, why? Why, why is that so important? It's important because there will be a day that he comes. And if it's in your lifetime, you need to be prepared. And so by saying, Jesus, is this the day you're coming back in the clouds? It helps you to stay on target. Because the world wants to distract you. Take your time. Take your uh, energy and take it to a different place than where God wants you to be. Yes, he has promised that he will return. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. A Sabbath day's walk. How many of you have ever taken a Saturday afternoon walk? Some of you have taken a Saturday afternoon drive. That goes back a long time ago. Because there wasn't much going on Sunday afternoon. People were relaxed. And so people would jump in the car and go for a ride. Some would go for a walk. What's a Sabbath day's walk? one mile the Jews were allowed to walk one mile and when you got to that one mile on the Sabbath you sit down you say pastor are you serious yeah whenever there was whenever there was ten families ten males gathered together they could they could form a, a, a 
temple, a synagogue, a place of worship. They could come together. But they couldn't walk more than a mile for that experience to take place. And so it's just simply a mile that they've walked. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together in constantly praying. They were in constant prayer. They joined together in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with her brothers. And with his brothers. Do you see this Mary? In the Christmas story, she ponders these things in her heart. She has went through the entire life of Jesus. She's been at the cross, and now she is at the upper room. Because Jesus said, wait and tarry. Spend time in the upper room. In those days, Peter stood up. Folks, this is shouting time. This is shouting time. Peter stood up. Peter stood up. Out of all the disciples, it was Peter who was in the shadows of Jesus longer than any other disciple. He watched Jesus. He followed Jesus. He was there. He was there. He was there. He was there. And now, the Holy Spirit has come upon him, and he's making a declaration. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers in a group numbering about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell long, headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language Achilledum, which is the field of blood. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went out and among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. He's saying, okay, to, to be an apostle, you had to be there through the ministry of Jesus. You had to be there through his arrest, through his crucifixion, through his resurrection. You had to be an eyewitness to that. You had to be there. And so they proposed two men, Joseph uh, called Barnabas, also known as Justice and Mattis. And they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, which the Lord knows everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostle ministry. 
which Jews left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lots fell on Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Life in the, the day of Peter. Standing up, taking authority, having a meeting, having a election, if you would, and they cast lots. They pray, and it's the power that takes place. Prayer is a powerful tool. Prayer is a powerful tool. What had they been doing when they got to the upper room? They all joined together constantly in praying along with the women. The men and the women, they were all praying together constantly for the power of God to be manifested. Verse 24, they prayed and the Lord directed them in giving them another apostle. Prayer is a powerful tool. The power of prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer and they prayed. We must recognize that this is a tremendous gift that God has given us. The ability to pray with one another. And, and the ability to seek his face. And next week we open it up in chapter 2 where the mighty moving of the God's Holy Spirit takes place. And it's the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit being poured out on mankind forever and forever and forever. It's not just an infilling of the Holy Spirit for the time being. It's not just an infilling of the Holy Spirit for them. But that infilling of the Holy Spirit continues to flow to you and to me today in the same power and the same anointing as them. And as we surrender our hearts to God, he can bless us with the ability to pray in a prayer language that connects us with God like nothing else. The praying in the Holy Spirit is an empowerment that quickens our inner being. It edifies. And what does that mean? It means to build up. Has there ever been a day in the history of mankind that we need the building up of the Holy Spirit more today than ever. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit. We need the power of God's Word transforming us. We can't transform ourselves. We are human beings. But the power of God's Word, as we focus it in and bring it into our mind, into our heart, into our spirit, my dad would always say, a lot of people miss, miss God by 14 inches. And what he meant was they had God in their head, but they didn't have God in their heart. And, and, and God's, God's wanting us to have a heart relationship to where the Holy Spirit that dwells in the Word of God dwells inside of us, and it connects to us. And the inner man is built up. The inner man, the emotional state of mind, the emotion, the inner man, the emotion. Why do people kill one another? It's because anger, it's because, uh, don't tell me it's got a gun. You can kill people without a gun. It's about the attitude of the heart. That's why people kill people, is the attitude of the heart. And, and, and the power of God wants to come and minister and break up the foul ground. 
to break up the hard heart and to fill the body of Christ with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to where we do not cause others to have a hard heart towards God. You say, but Pastor, I know people have been filled with the Holy Ghost and they just aren't living the, living the life they need to live. And I don't want it if that's what's... Get your eyes off of people and get your eyes on this book that says, I will baptize you. Jesus said, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. God wants you to have that. And it always comes back to, what does the Word of God say? Yes, we are to be the example. Yes, we are to live the life. But we are still human. We will still make mistakes. And the reason why we make mistakes is because we're not praying enough in the Spirit and seeking the face of God and yielding to God. You know, it's a process of yielding. Your car is going to go forwards or it's going to go in reverse. Now, I know some of them are going to be going sideways eventually. But right now, it's either forward or reverse. And it's the same way with our life. That car will not go unless you put your foot on the brake, put it in gear, put your foot on the gas. It's not going to go. It's the same way with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will function in our life if we'll simply say, God, you're in control. I'm going to yield to you. Here's my body. Here's my tongue. Here's my, my lips. God, I'm going to move them. I'm going to release you to move and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want my carnal flesh completely under control and I want the power of God that will lift me, that will encourage me, that will heal my inner heart and will lift me up on a daily basis. That when I pray in the Spirit from this day forward, each day I pray, my mind is being settled. The peace of God is moving in. I am no longer upset. I am no longer being aggravated. I am allowing the peace of God to flow through me as I pray in the Spirit. God's Spirit is moving in me and taking out the frustration, the anxiety, the anger, and pouring in a love and a commitment and a unity deep in my spirit that only God can be. God is the healer of the physical body, but also the emotional state of mind. And praying in the spirit releases. Praying in the spirit releases pent-up emotions. Praying in the spirit releases and does something inside of your heart that you can't do, I can't do, no one can do, except the power and the presence of God can do it. It's an awesome experience. It's an experience that God wants us to have on a daily basis. Not just a one time, oh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost at camp when I was in seventh grade, and we put a, put a placard on the wall saying, oh, I got the Holy Ghost. No, it's a daily walk with God. It's a daily experience of the presence and power of God that literally releases God's Spirit in us and transforms us for His glory. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, thank you for being sent to us by Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling in us. And Lord Jesus, thank you for sending that precious Holy Spirit into our lives. And Lord Jesus, forgive us where we have sinned. Purify our hearts. For God, we know that in order to be able to enjoy the, the, the gift that you've given us, the speaking tongues, we need to have our sins forgiven. So God, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Purify our hearts, O oh God. That in turn, we can offer up praise to you from a heart that is in tune with you. 
and that you can give us that wonderful experience of praying in a prayer language that transforms our very life, that gives us a peace deep inside the quickening of our soul. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending us the precious Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for being true to your word in such a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me? It's been good to have you with us today, those who are viewing at home. And I encourage you to spend some time in, in the Lord. Maybe uh, put some gospel music on and pray in the Spirit. And uh, if you haven't received yet, uh, begin to, to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't, don't give up until God fills you. Just keep seeking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God, God, I'm here. I want to be the Holy Ghost. God, I, I need that Holy Spirit. Just pretend you're six years old and you can't stand not having a candy bar. Remember when you were six years old? You saw the candy bar. Mom, can I have a candy bar? Not now. Hey, Mom. Can I, I was thinking about the candy bar. Not now. You've got to have supper first. Five minutes before supper. Mom, what about candy? Well, let's have supper. If we can get intense about the Holy Ghost, as we did as we were six years old with our candy bar, God will fill us with overflowing. And I just want to encourage you to be intentional about seeking God for the fullness. You'll say, well, I've had the Holy Ghost for a while. Continue to seek Him for the fullness. Continue just to be filled to overflowing, filled to overflowing. Because when the Holy Spirit is flowing in you, it gives you a spirit of discernment of what you're going through. It gives you the ability maybe to pray for someone else that they might get divine miracles and healings. It's the power of God being activated in your life. God bless you. Have a great day. Spend time seeking God. We're going to continue in altar service. The altars are